Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Keegan. Please remain standing um, as I pray for our time in the word. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, just a beautiful time we've already had here this morning. Lord, I thank you for the um, powerful words that we sang. I thank you for those um, the sweet incense, the aroma of Christ in this place of our prayers that are being lifted to the very throne room of God, as your word tells us. Lord, those are just acts of worship. But I pray that we would continue to worship you in your word now. Lord, that there is, um, that there is purpose and plan for each person here, including me, that we are all here by divine appointment. And so Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from your truth. I pray that you would open up our, the, the spiritual eyes of our hearts, that, that new things would come into us, that we, would, um, that we would understand more clearly the depth and the breadth of your love for us and, and the, um, just the ferocity for which you will fulfill your plan. Lord, that we can take great comfort in whatever is going on in our lives because of you, because you are the God of all life. Lord, we thank you for the living word. I pray that it would now do its work in our souls, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Find your Bibles and find that passage that uh, Keegan just read, if you would. Um, while I find it, oops, I just dropped my iPad. That's never a good thing. Um, while I do that as well, I'm going to ask you our first question. Our first question is, um, what kinds of things rob us of peace? So while I'm looking, so while we're looking for what kinds of things rob us of our peace? Comparison. Comparison. Who said that? Very, very, what do you mean by that, Alex? Like when you can look at other people's blessings, if you will, and you'd be like, why don't I have that spiritual gift? Or why don't I have that nice thing? So if I could hear Alex, you said, if you look at somebody else, you say, how come I don't have that blessing? How come I don't have. How come I'm not as fit? How come I don't, like, how come I'm not in that place? I would, I would add to, like, like, even, I mean, I would even, for, I'm speaking for me now, I would be even more shallow. I would say, you know, how come I don't get to go to those nice places, have those vacations, go out to that place for dinner? Like, social media has made it much easier not to compare, right? Like, like that's, that's a huge, I mean, that's really probably the biggest damaging impact social media has, honestly, is it, is it creates an environment of comparison um, that is almost insurmountable, but for the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's comparison. That's a great one, Alex. What else? What else robs us of peace? The news. Like, just like the actual news of what, yeah, absolutely. So you know what my advice is? Turn off the news and pick up your Bible. Or turn off your news and go talk to your neighbor. Or turn off the news and do just about anything else. And you will find better peace than that. So that was a great one. Good job, Parker. What else? 
What else robs us of peace? Dwelling on earthly things. You know, as we were praying in our prayer time, and it was, I don't know if it was the first or second point that Josh had us, had us go through, but, but that was really what struck me, is this whole thing about peace and the battle for peace, guys, and it will lead us right into today's message, which is about peace and how we find peace when our world is falling apart. But, but it's, um, it's this idea, like, it is a kingdom fight. Like, you, you think about the fact that, that even in the time that Jesus as an adult is walking into the temple, and he, and he goes and he turns over the, the money changers' tables and stuff, but all of that was a kingdom battle, because the, the Pharisees, the religious people of the time even, had turned the kingdom of God into a financial kingdom. Well, who was the God of, this financial, of the financial kingdom of this world? Satan. Like the ruler of this world, the whole, this whole idea of the, of, and I don't have time to go into it, but this whole idea of the Antichrist and all these, however, whatever your view of eschatology is, it really is a fight that there are only two kingdoms, and it's the kingdom of this world, and that includes politics, that includes the finances, that, all of that is, is being influenced by the evil one. And then there is the kingdom of God, and the king of kings and lord of lords who is Jesus is the one who is the king of that kingdom. And, and he is not out of the control of this kingdom either and we'll see that today in Joseph's life it's just that that our fight is constantly so the battle really for peace is a battle for focus I know I keep saying it but I but I'm just I I, I have to keep saying it to my own soul guys what we fixate on we migrate towards and so if what we're fixated on is for even for Christmas as Josh led us at the start of the prayer time, even if, if, our, if our Christmas time is fixated on who do I still need to, who do I buy gifts for, um, like who are we having over, like how, how is my, you know, is my, are my decorations up, all of which are wonderful things. But if that's what we're fixated on, that's what we're going to migrate towards. And that stuff starts to consume our very souls. And so now we're back to the comparison thing. How come, you know, my gifts aren't as, I, I can't afford to give the gifts I would like to give. I can't, well, all those things. And all of that is because we're focused on the wrong thing. The only solution, the only way we really find peace, and this is, you know, this is, I guess, is the, the end of the message, and I could probably just close up the word and say amen and let's get out of here. But the, the only way we're going to find peace in this world is by finding ways to continually keep the, the beauty that is Jesus Christ in front of us. That's it. Because that's where our hearts will settle into. What we fixate on, we migrate towards. So find ways. Put on worship music and leave it on. Put on Christmas, like good, worshipful Christmas music today after church and leave it on. And guys, if you don't think there are good, Christmas, worshipful Christmas music, then you weren't paying attention when, we were, when, when the team was up here singing. Because some of the lyrics, that, I mean, I didn't even know one of those songs. I'm sure I've heard it before. But I mean, those lyrics are so spot on biblically, right? There is so much there. So find those things and meditate on them. Find whatever, whatever you need to do, but just figure out a way to do it. Because the, the, the series that we're in is this idea of are you missing the wonder? And what we're talking about, and what I, my, my question about peace, if, if, we're losing, if we've lacked peace, a huge part of it is because we have lost the wonder in who Jesus is and what he came to do. The fact that he came here, took on flesh, and died. He was a baby born in a barn to die for us. Like that, we should never, we should never get to a place where we move past that message. 
where we, lose, where we move past the message of just the wonder of who Jesus is. And man, none of that is in my notes, so I'm probably already way behind time. But today, what, what, what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the wonder through the eyes of different people. So two weeks ago, we looked at the wonder through the eyes of Jesus, and we just talked about who Jesus is from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, how he is the word, the spoken word of God, how he is the light, how he is the life. We looked at that last week. We looked at Simeon and Anna and how they had eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to just stay faithful. And so this week, we're going to look at um, the wonder through the eyes of Joseph, who was Jesus' earthly father, uh, Mary's husband, I guess would be the way the Bible really describes him. And the question I'm asking today is, how do we find peace when your world seemingly feels like it's falling apart? Now, now before, we, before we move on, I just want to, want to ask, if that, if, that is just, if that question has described any part of your life, whether that be like you feel like your world is falling apart physically, financially, relationally. If you've ever had, not right now, it could be right now, but, but any time in your life where that describes you, would you raise your hand and keep it up? If you feel like there's ever been, now, now keep it up. Now look around real quick. Guys, okay, you can put it now. Thank you guys. for you Guys, understand, this room is made up predominantly of Christians, and look at how many hands were up. Now, I'll just, just to make the point, how many of you had your hands up, if, if I added this to it, and that has, this has been true since you become a Christian? Raise your hand. Because we are in good company. This is why we need to be together. Because I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, but one of them is we need to be reminded that, that you're, you're not doing something wrong if you find yourself in a hard spot. Right? Not necessarily. I mean, you could be, and we'll talk a little bit about that today too. But it could just be. It, it's just. It is a product of the of the human condition. Jesus said it. In this world, you will have tribulation. Not you might. You will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Is what he says. That's the key. So here's what Joseph is going to show us. How do we find peace when our world seemingly is falling apart? We just have, we have to do the next right thing. We have to listen for the Lord. And we have to trust in his direction. Now, before we get through those points and actually get to our passage, I, I need to lay the groundwork because it will help us for this week and next week when we look at the wonder through the eyes of Mary. And we need to talk for a minute about a God who is sovereign. And, I, and, and again, I love how the lyrics of the songs we sang, so much of them had to do with God's sovereign plan from before the foundation of the world. Sovereignty just means that God is, a, he is the a, a king. For a king to be a sovereign king, that means he has to be in control of everything. Everything. Otherwise, he, by definition, is not sovereign. And what we see here in this story, even about Joseph and about Mary, this week's about Joseph, is that God sovereignly chooses Joseph for a reason. Joseph wasn't just like randomly picked. He didn't just happen to be the guy in love with Mary. He was chosen on purpose for a purpose. Let me show you what I mean by that. So look at, um, go, so back ahead of where we're starting in verse 18, look at verse 16 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, and Jacob the father of, so, so this is the lineage, this is the lineage of Christ through the family of Joseph. He says, and Jacob is the father of Joseph, that's Mary's husband, of whom Jesus is called, who is the Christ, of Jesus is born, who is the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14, and from David to the de deportation of, of Babylon are 14, and from the, de and the deportation of Babylon to the, to the coming of the Christ are 14 generations. So here's a way to look at that. From, we just go back, we don't even go back to Abraham, just go back to David. David was Joseph's great, 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 28 times grandfather. 
Joseph was chosen by God just like Abraham was, just like Isaac was, just like Jacob was, just like Judah was, just like he said. Because, because he says, for example, God's word in Isaiah 11, it says that a shoot will spring up from Jesse. Well, who was Jesse? Well, we don't have to wonder. Look, go back here. Go back to verse 6. And Jesse, the father of David. So, so the, my, here's my point in all of that. Because Joseph was chosen on purpose for a purpose. And the purpose was because his life is fulfilling God's plan. He was from the family of David, through the line of Judah. Right? This is what makes him um, eligible, I guess, to fulfill God's plan. So with that, and this idea of just this whole idea of, of the sovereignty of God, is that why does that matter? Like, what does that matter to you and I? Because maybe you're not from the tribe of Judah. Well, last week, um, John talked about it. Last week, we had a handout that talked about all the different ways that Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy in the New Testament. There were like 40 of them on a piece of paper. We probably still have some out, in the, um, out on the connect table if you need one. But guys, what, here's how it helps us. Because what we have to realize is, or remember, is that the same God who orchestrated all of those human lives from Abraham through Jeff, Judah, through Jesse, David, all, all of that, he is in charge of your life today. He didn't just wake up in the 2000s because we're, um, we're trust the science Westerners and go, now I'm going to stop living super, I'm, I'm going to stop acting supernaturally. That God who was orchestrating the events of all of these people to get Joseph to this place is the same God who's orchestrating your life. And I hope that that comes across today as we talk. So today, we're looking at how do we find peace when, we, when, it, when it feels like our world is seemingly falling apart? The first thing we have to do is we just have to remember, just do the next right thing. Because if you're sitting here right now and you're going, yeah, but I don't know what to do. To, I, don't, I, don't, I have some decisions that I've, got, that I've got to make in the coming days. And I don't know whether, it's, and these are big things. I don't know whether to go left or right. Here's what you do in the meantime. Do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. So let's, so, so let's jump in and look how Joseph does that. Look at verse 18 of, um, of Matthew chapter 1. He says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ. So remember, we talked about this last week. Je Christ is not his last name. It is a picture. Jesus is his human name. Christ would be his divine name or the Messiah. So it would be, Now the birth of Jesus who is the Messiah or who is the Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary was betrothed, betrothal there meant like it was as good as married. It was as good as married in their world. So when, when Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, Parents, like, I, I left you a bad one last week. I'm not going to go down that road again. You can talk to your kids about what that means later. Um, they were, at, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, guys, can, can you imagine? I, I, Josh, um, Josh talked about this at the start, at the start of prayer time, so like finding peace, and how does Joseph find peace? Well, guys, think about this. For, for Joseph, I mean, we, we just sort of skip over that part, but th this was not just, this was, even, this was so much more than just your fiancé being found with child and you know it's not yours because you've never been with her physically. You know why it's so much more than that? Because in their world, what would have happened was this betrothal period would be at least a year. Do you know why it was at least a year? How long does it take to make a baby? Nine months. It was to, it, what, part of the reason they would be betrothed for a year was to prove the purity of the girl. 
Now all of a sudden, so, he, so and in the meantime, what is the, and here's the other reason it was a, a year. What is the guy doing? He's trying to make money. He, I mean, he has spent the last 12 plus months of his life like consumed in becoming Mary's husband. That means trying to build a house in some way, having some sort of financial stability, having, the, having an ability to give some money to Mary's father. Like, like this, was, this was consuming his world. And one day, up she walks and she's pregnant. It had to destroy him. Guys, we have a lot of young adults, young marrieds in this, in this room. Just imagine like, can you even imagine? And, and here's the thing. Here's the kicker. Think about all of the, the raw emotion that would come from that. The pain that men turn into what feeling, gentlemen? Anger. And, oh, by the way, he had the legal right to have her executed. In that world, he could have said, I, now, now, they weren't doing a lot of that by the time Jesus is born, but he still had the legal right to do that. And at the very least, he had the right to publicly humiliate her. And instead, he said, even just here, before we get to the angel's visit, before we get to any of that, it says that he, de- that he decided to, um, that he resolved to divorce her quietly. Guys, why? Because morally that was just the next right thing to do to look at another human being and go man even if she even if he's assuming what she has what what would be the what everyone in the room would assume he says but i know who i am too and i'm going to choose to to extend mercy to you because god extends mercy to me like that is supernatural That's what doing the next right thing looks like. So look at your second talking points question. Consider this for a moment. Has our Lord given you a task to do in order to put himself on display, but you don't feel like doing it? Has Christ put you in a place you don't want to be that he might present, that he might be present there through you? So I want you to stop right now and just think to yourself, like, if, have you ever been given an assignment or been put, or, or, or like in a job, at school, um, in your, you know, in your, in where you're living right now? Maybe you just cannot stand living in Glendale, Peoria, slash Phoenix, Arizona, right? And you're like, but, but, but until God moves me, I'm not moving, right? Like, stop and think about this and, and think about, but what is your heart, what is our heart attitude in the midst of that time, because we haven't, now, like for us, we immediately go to the next verse, and we go, okay, well, the angel's going to come help Joseph feel better about it. That's true, but that wasn't Joseph's life. We don't know, like, exactly how long it took, for, from, but, but I don't care if it was a day. Can you imagine living with that pain and that shame for even a day? And yet he chooses to do the next right thing. The question is, are you willing to just stick it out and choose to do the next right thing. And if you are, how do you keep peace in those places? Anybody want to share? Like, how, how do you keep peace when, when you're in a place where you're just like, everything in me wants to run? Everything in me wants to scream out, this isn't fair. You been there? So how do you keep peace in those times? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace. That's the only answer, guys. That's all I got. But that's way more than we need. Right? The Holy Spirit in you is the, and, and, it, and it's what makes our witness so powerful. Because when your world is crashing down around you, when, when I guarantee you that when there, when there are people, his friends, Joseph's friends, his own family, that are saying, destroy this cheating, adulterous woman. And he's saying, I'm not going to do that. That spoke volumes to the people around him. That's what made his... And, and guys, that is a supernatural thing. And, he, and we have something that he did not have. He gets a visit from the angel. We get the Holy Spirit. So let's keep going. How do you find peace when your world is seemingly falls apart first? You just, man, you just got to keep picking them up and putting them down. Just keep doing the next right thing as you listen to the Lord. Like as you're, you're listening to what the Lord has to say. So let's look at the next few verses. It says, but when he considered these things, so he's considering divorcing her quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. It's amazing in the Christmas story, the number of times that phrase comes up because oh, for all kinds of reasons, some of it's because angels were incredibly, like anybody, like, well, I don't even go down that road. The angels were inc are incredible beings. Like when you see one, you're usually flat on your face for the Lord. But the other reason is because the, the Christmas story is full of a whole lot of crazy stuff, which, would make, which makes us fearful. What we can't explain makes us afraid, right? And, and, and so, he's, so over and over, the angel's like, hey, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. We'll see it next week. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For, what, what, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And we'll see that next week when we get into the life of Mary and how all that worked and, and why it mattered and everything else. But guys, think, like, like first of all, just like with Mary, like, would that answer satisfy you? Like, if you woke up from a dream and went, well, I had a dream that the Holy Spirit, or that, that, that an angel told me that, that the Holy Spirit impregnated my wife. Joseph was a remarkable man. And she will bear a son, and she will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So I want to stop there before we go on with the point and say, wait, wait a second, because there seems to be some confusion here, because it says that you will call his name Jesus, but then there's also down here, it says it's fulfilling this, the prophecy of um, Isaiah 7.14, and also in Micah where it talks about this idea that, that it's Emmanuel. So is the angel wrong? Because they don't call him Emmanuel, they call him Jesus. Well, we talked last week, what does the name Jesus mean? It's the, it's the New Testament version of what name? Joshua, which means what? What? The Lord is our, our Yahweh saves, is the, is, the most like, is the most basic, or salvation is of the Lord, right? And, um, but, but guys, get this, what, what, is the, what does the name Emmanuel mean, according to the scripture? God with us. What is the story that God's telling from beginning to end? We looked at it two weeks ago. God with us. What, ha what does Jesus do in John 1.14? And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory of the only begotten of the Father. Guys, God with us is the John 1.14 story. It is literally God becoming flesh. 
that he might die for flesh. Now the question becomes, why does that matter? And I need to stop here for a minute from the story and be sure that we all understand the reason for that to happen. Because the reason we need an Emmanuel, God with us, the reason we need a Jesus, Yahweh saves, is because we're sinners. Guys, you don't sin because you're a sinner. You're a sinner because you sin. I'm sorry, it's the other way around. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because that's just your nature. It's mine too. It's part of this brokenness. We, we just, so we need a savior. You're going to read about it this week in your daily reading. In Romans chapter 5, when he talks about how we have peace with God, he has reconciled us through his son, Jesus Christ. The reason for that, and we saw it two weeks ago, is because through one man, Adam, the rebellion, Adam and Eve, all people died, meaning all people inherited sin. Through one man, it had to be a man, the perfect God-man, they could be brought to life, is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5. It's what it means to be born again in John chapter 3. So it's this picture of how, do, so, how so when he says, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus comes, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh. That's the Christmas story. That's the God with us story. That's the salvation story. God had to come here as a man to die the death you and I deserve because you say, well, why do I deserve death? Because you are constantly rebelling against God. And so am I. Wait a minute, don't tell me that I'm a rebel. There you are. There you are. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever looked at somebody with lust? Have you ever envied something else? We, just, we were talking about comparison. All those things are worship issues. And any time we're not worshiping God, we are by definition idol worshipers, which by definition makes us rebels, which makes us a sinner in need of a Savior. That's Yeshua. That's Jesus. That is God with us. Guys, the, the, the Christmas story is a crazy story. It's no wonder when you tell your friends, hey, do you know that, that what we celebrate at Christmas is that God came here, became a man, and then died so that you could live? That people, apart from the Holy Spirit and lighting them, lightening them to that truth, will look at you like you have two heads. Because who would develop that plan? Who would? Here's the answer. God would. Why? Because, I'll use the word, theologically, it's the only plan that works. If humans are the ones who rebelled, then a human has to pay the price for the rebellion. That's the gospel. But no normal human, not even Daniel in the Old Testament, who seems like he's almost perfect, not even he was, was outside of the need of the grace of God. That's the gospel. That's the message. Let's keep going. Where did I leave you? 23, 24. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Guys, look, it's, it's, true, it's amazing. So he wakes up and immediately he takes her as a wife. So, so I'll get there in a second. But, but, he knew, but he knew her not until, um, but he did not know her until she had given birth to a son. That means they never consummated the marriage until after Jesus was born. And he called his name Jesus. Guys, right there's a sacrifice. How long is Mary now pregnant? Nine months, right? So for nine months now, he's... He, guess, now think about it. Don't, don't, don't leave aside the shame and the ridicule. Because in their culture... I mean, we, we aren't any good even in the church at taking care of pre-wed like teen moms, which we need. Because if we want to be pro-life, it better start there. Right? It better start with taking care of moms who, who don't know what else to do because they're terrified. And they ought to be able to come here and go, I need help. Who will help me? 
Right now, don't but but th- like in, in, as 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 shamed as we make unwed mothers now, less now than ever. Guys, in their culture, oh my goodness! So he is he is volunteering to go into a, a life of misery from a worldly perspective, and so, and so is she. But he immediately does it. Why? Well, let's keep going. We're going to look at um. So so jump to chapter two and look at verse thirteen. So now we fast forwarded past. Um, the, the birth story, we're going to look at that next week. We even talked about, we're going to fast forward past Simeon and Anna and look at, um, look at what it says in, in verse 13. So now, so now this is Jesus has been born. They've been hanging out in Jerusalem for at least 40 days, maybe more. And it says, now when they had, now, but then, but then um, along come the Magi. The Magi, are t- um, then Herod gets upset. Herod wants the babies killed. So God's going to send them off to Egypt. It says, now when they had departed, verse 13, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Rise and take the, child as a mo- take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now look at what happens. Just like in verse, um, just like in verse 24 when it says Jesus woke up and he went off right away. Look at verse 14 of chapter 2. And he rose and took the child and his mother at, by night and departed from Egypt. And, and remain there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill the word of the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So here's another prophecy of God fulfilled out of Hosea chapter 11. But guys, understand this. Here's the main point. Jesus, Joseph didn't just hear the word of God. He listened to it. Guys, there is an eternity of difference between knowing things about God or even knowing the word of God and believing the word of God and acting on the word of God. Guys, even the demons believe and tremble. But what don't they do? Repent. They don't act on it. Guys, we can know the word. We can even believe it's true. But it's what do we do with it that matters. He doesn't just hear the the word of the Lord. He listens. And the reason is because just like we'll see with Mary next week, he understood the story. Whether, whether it was by the great, whether it was like the Holy Spirit revealed it to him or he just knew it from his childhood, he knew, and just like Anna and Simeon, was he, they were looking for the Messiah. So when the angel comes and says, hey, here's the story, he knows Hosea 11. He's like, all right, I guess here we go. But man, that was not easy. How do you take, you're, you're, you're poor, how do you take your, your newly, like your newlywed wife, your newborn child, and travel a couple hundred miles through the desert to a foreign land, to Egypt. Now, here's one way you do it. God shows up and he says, hey, some magi are going to give you some gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so here's some money to fund your trip. That's one way it happens, but that's, that's a whole other part of the story that we won't talk about today. But guys, understand that, that ultimately Joseph... What made Joseph, one of, the, one of the many things that made Joseph exceptional was he was a doer of God's word, not just a hearer of God's word, as James tells us. So let's take a look at um, your last talking points question. It says, often we miss the wonder because our hearts are not listening for the Lord. How can we use this season to tune our hearts to the spirit of the living God and get back our sense of wonder? 
And I'm not, I, I just want you to stop and think about that. It's because we've t- we talked about it during our prayer time. We prayed about it. We talked about it at the start of the message. It's this idea of like things that you need to do to get your eyes fixed on Jesus during, which seems, it seems so ironic that we would say, especially during the Christmas season, when it seems almost harder to, to, to actually find time to have your daily quiet time with him. How do you find that time to sit and listen or to, or to just walk as you're walking along and listen for the Holy Spirit in your life? Like, how do you find those times? Guys, one of the things I would encourage, like, so part of why, um, you know, I, I sent out an email just a little bit, or uh, sometime this last week about just some of the things that you guys have, have been, a, been a part of as part of our, um, the least of these initiatives, whether it be um, sending money so that they could build a dorm for boys in Kenya, so Brother Jeffrey could build his dorm for boys, the boys in Kenya, or it was, um, you know, feeding kids in Costa Rica, or whether it's um, the, the, the 307 shoeboxes we sent, or the vitamins we're collecting, or the money we're, get, we're supporting the stairs with. Guys, all, all of that is only possible because the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart to give that way. But guys, understand, a huge, a a great way to keep Jesus in front of you is to be selfless like that. So to me, those are all just, those are just, um, those are just evidences of the grace of God in your life. It's not about any one of those things that we, that, that we sent out. It's about the fact that it's evidenced that you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And guys, if you're, in a, if you're in a place of, like specifically right now, in this particular Christmas season of distraction, discouragement, despair, filth, whatever it is, guys, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Give your life away. I know that sounds crazy. Be, help serve at the Christmas Eve service. Help, help take, take, like, go find somebody to bless this week. Just go to somebody's house that you know needs some time, needs some encouragement, needs some food, and give it to them. Guys, the the happiest, the most peace-filled people in the world are the most selfless. You will never meet a narcissist who is peace-centered. You just won't. It's the way of the world. Narcissism, this inward reflection, and it's all about me, is is anti Hope, peace, love, and joy. So give your life away. All right, that brings us to our last point, and it goes quickly. How do you find peace when the world seemingly falls apart? First, you gotta just keep put, do the, you gotta do the next right thing. Second thing is you have to be listening for the Lord. The third thing is you need to trust in his direction. You need to trust in his direction. So let's look and see. So now we've, so now we, I know we skipped a lot of the story, and we're not really doing this chronologically because we're looking like through the scenes of different eyes of people. So we fast forwarded past, we, we started out with, the, and the birth of Jesus was this. And then she, and he's born, and, and then the Magi come. We skipped that all together. Now they fled to Egypt. Right now they're going to be there for a while because in the meantime, Herod is going to die and his son is going to take over. And this is now the Herod that Jesus like, grows up with during the time that he's in Israel. And, and, he gets, and he's going to get called back out of Egypt. Um, and it says, but look what it says in verse 19 of chapter 2. It says, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, so here it is again, to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land, went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Because he's like, it's probably just, he's just like his son. And Archelaus was, was known for being as ruthless as his, as his father Herod was. 
And men warned in a dream, and, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Now, guys, here's the thing. So, think, again, think, think about this. So, step back from just the, the text of Scripture for a second and make Joseph a real dude because he was a real dude. He was a real dude who signed on to a really hard life because he was willing to do the next right thing. He was a real dude who said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be obedient to the word of God that I hear, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm, the, the messages that you're sending to me. I'm not just going to listen to them, but I'm not just going to hear them. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to do them. But then he says, what, what, he's, now he's like, okay, I'm going to go back from Egypt, back up to where I was. I'm guessing however long they were in the, um, the Jerusalem, Bethlehem area, whether it was just the 40 days until after he was dedicated, or some people think it could have been up to two years of time, because that's about how long Herod, like Herod, when he, when he goes to kill the infants, he says, kill every infant, infant that is two years old or younger. So, so, so it could have been an extended period of time that they were living in the southern part of Israel. Well, what is Joseph doing during that time? What is Mary doing during that time? They're making friends. They've got a community. He's got a job. Like, he's got a wife and a kid to support. So they've got, so in his mind, here's what makes sense. I'm going to go back to the life that we had started to develop. Where's the place they don't want to go? Back up north to Nazareth, where they were from, before the census sent them south. Why? Because those people up there know the story. They were there. They watched her get bigger and bigger and more and more pregnant over the nine months, knowing that Joseph was not the father of the baby. This is the place where, where all of her Instagram friends were shaming her and bullying her. They don't want to go back. So in, his, so in their minds, they're like, okay, we get to go back to the people that loved us well. They didn't know the whole story. The only parts of the story they might have heard about were these sort of freaky supernatural parts about Jesus being the Son of God. They don't believe those anyway. So we're good to go. We've got a job. We've got a place. His family's there. We're good to go. Makes perfect sense, right? It's till we read the last little part here. When he says, so when he'd heard, um, he was heard, he was being warned in a dream, so here's that dream again from an angel, to go to the district of Galilee, and he, Galilee, which is northern Israel, and he went up and lived in the city of Nazareth so that it would be, so what would be spoken of the prophets might be revealed that he would be called a Nazarene. Now there's all kinds of reasons that God sent them to Nazareth. One was to escape the persecution. Because it made no earthly sense for them to go there. Not, not relationally, not financially, not, not in any way. That was, to them, if they were going to be in Israel, that was enemy territory. Now, why does God send them to Nazareth? Well, one, because Jesus starts his public ministry where? As an adult. In Nazareth. Like, in, this, in, this, in the area of Galilee. The northern part. Because that's what's prophesied about. But guys, think about this. When Jesus becomes an adult and he starts picking his disciples, you remember Philip and, um, was it Philip and his brother was Nathaniel, I think, right? And he says, and Philip's like, hey, I just met the Messiah. This is when Jesus is an adult. What is Nathan- and he says, he's from Nazareth. Because they're down at the sea. What is, what is his answer? Can anything good come from Nazareth? It had a horrible reputation. I won't, I, I'm tempted to name, it's Aho. Sorry, Kim. I, I was not going to do it, and then I did it, and I shouldn't have done it. But it's like, it's, it had a horrible, horrible reputation, and that's one of the reasons in God's great economy, he sends them there. 
right? This is the place where he starts, he goes back there, opens, as, a, as an adult, he goes back there, he opens the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue in Nazareth, he reads about himself, he says, this has been fulfilled in my hearing, and he says, and then what, do, what, do, what does his family try to do to him? Throw him off a cliff, right? This is that place. It made no sense, so why go there? Because, like, why would they be obedient? Because that's what they had learned to do. So the question for us becomes, how, like, they, they, at this point in their lives, however far into, their, into, into his childhood this is, they have learned to go. My, the place of peace for us is being obedient to God. And when God says go, we just go. As, as hard as it can be, as crazy as it can sound, it's, it's, um, it's the Isaiah 26 verse, he keeps in perfect peace those who trust in him. Right, that, guys, you want to know how to find peace when your world is falling apart, like Joseph's world was falling apart? You want to know where you find your peace? Trust the Lord. Makes no sense to me. Try. Yeah, but, but, but the Lord can't pay my mortgage. You've got to trust him anyway. Yeah, but the Lord cannot restore this relationship. You've got to trust that he will. You, but, the, but the Lord is not going to heal me of cancer. Yes, he will. In, in eternity, at the very least, you will be healed. Trust the Lord. We talked about hope last week. Hope is found in the, th it's, it's, it's about the object in which we place our hope. God, Jesus, that's where our hope is found. Peace is found in the same place. Where do we find our peace? Guys, and if, and if nothing else is working for you, so the question about this idea of, so what do we do when our, we feel like our world is falling apart? If nothing else is working for you, and you are doing the next right thing, and you are listening for his voice, and you are trying to be obedient to what he's telling you to do, and it still, it still feels like things just aren't happening the way that you would like them to happen, or even the way anybody around you thinks it's fair that it would happen, and there are those of you in this room where I would say, that's been my walk with you for years, and some of you are doing all the right things, and it's still, life still stinks. I get it. I do. Because it's not about this life. That's, that, like, ultimately, where is our peace going to be found? Where is the peace of Jerusalem that we prayed for going to be found? It's going to be found when, when the king of all glory, the prince of peace, comes here again. He is going to advent again. There's two comings. And when he comes again, he will bring his perfect peace. How do I know that? Because his word promises it. And if his word fulfilled all of the promises that brought his first coming, they will, it will fulfill, he will fulfill all of the promises of his second so as the music team comes up and we close in our time of response, I just want to remind you of this really, really familiar verse, but, I, but don't let its familiarity cause you to, um, to lose like the, the, the preciousness of its promise. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, in, pr in prayer and pleading is what it means, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. He will not resent you asking, his word says. Present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Guys, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know. It's, that phrase I've experienced at moments in my life, too, too few moments. What is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? It's when you do the first part. When you've prayed you're seeking godly counsel in community. You're seeking godly counsel in the Bible. 
You're, seek, you're, you're, you're seeking to live in the fruit of the Spirit. You're giving your life away. It's still a struggle, and you're going, Lord, all I've got left is help. Help. And then you fix your eyes on Jesus, and he says, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. It might not be till you're Stephen getting stoned, and he's standing at the right hand of God going, but now I'm coming for you. It might be when he comes again, but hold on to him, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for that truth. I thank you for the truth, just the beautiful truth of your promises. I thank you for the beautiful truth that you fulfill your promises. That there's there's no part of your plan where you go, yeah, I'm just done with that. Yeah, this has just gotten too hard. Yeah, I'm no longer interested. None of those things ever go through your mind. And if we doubt that, when we doubt that, I pray that we would look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Why on earth would you send your son? Would he, would would the second person of the triune Godhead be willing to take on flesh, come here and live in this filth, struggle, understand the pain that we go through, understand the trials that we go through, understand all the stuff we go through, live a perfect life, die a death we deserve, rise again, send his spirit. Why would you do all of that just to at this point take your hands off of me? Take your hands off of us. Turn your, head, turn your eyes away from this world. This is your world. You are going to finish the job. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is, a, is, a, is about a God who fulfills promises. So Lord, I do pray for the hurting souls in this room and those in the sound of my voice whenever they hear it. Lord, I want to pray that you would remind us that you are a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. And if nothing else is going right in our lives right now, you have promised to come and get us. So we can take great joy in that. We can see the depth of the love in that. We can place our hope in that. And we can find our peace in that. In Jesus' name, amen.